0: Let's pray. Father, we ask for that anointing that makes preaching your word effective, fruitful. It honors you, and it doesn't honor a personality or a person. Um, The the weight of your word, may it manifest in this room. Holy Spirit, you're already here. We now just avail ourselves to you. We want to be malleable. We're all hungry, Lord. We're in a troubled, crazy world. And thank you that we have inherited a kingdom that cannot be shaken. We thank you that you are sovereign, you're omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent. You are the Lord Almighty. and We praise you, Lord. Now, ask for that anointing. Come on, if you love his word, just tell the Lord. I'm ready to receive from you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Starting a series called Order. One word this year. Not every year has the Lord given me kind of what I felt like it was a prophetic word. And I don't mean to get goofy with it. And I don't have books or podcasts or anything other than I'm your pastor. And I do feel the leading of the Holy Spirit. That we are to embrace this one word called order. We've had different words throughout the years. And sometime late November, early December this year in prayer... I felt like I clearly heard the Lord say that this is going to be a year for Restoration Church personally, corporately, for us in function and ministry and in our own spiritual lives to get our lives and our houses in order. God blesses order. And um, order is when you do things the right way you put things in the right place and you do things with the right motive and what is the right way God's way and his word tells us and we see that he blesses order not disorder I'm reminded of the story a Jewish rabbi a Hindu priest and an attorney we were all riding in a car together across the country, and they ran out of gas somewhere in the Midwest. They were a five, ten-minute walk away from a sweet Christian farmer. They went up, knocked on his door. His was, sun was setting, and they said, Sir, we're going to need a place to stay tonight. He said, Well, I have two bedrooms, two beds, and one of you will have to sleep in the barn. The Hindu priest said, Well, I'm glad to. I'm humble, I have no problem. I'll sleep in the barn. Y'all go ahead and take the beds. Everybody went to bed that night, about 10, 15 minutes after they went to bed. The farmer heard a knock on the door. He opened the door, and it was the Hindu priest, and he said, hey, there's a cow out here. My religion won't let me sleep in the same room with a cow. The Jewish rabbi said, well, I'm humble, too no problem, you take my bed, I'll sleep out in the barn. They went to sleep. Again, 20 minutes later, another knock at the door, the Jewish rabbi standing there going, I didn't realize that there's a pig out there in the barn, and I can't sleep in the same room with the pig. It's an unclean animal. The attorney didn't say, I'm humble. He just started moping, he said, I'll sleep in the barn. About 20 minutes later, a knock at the door and the farmer went down to open up the door and there stood the cow and the pig. God blesses order, not disorder. Why, why talk about a one-word series that will probably spend weeks, if not a couple months, Why talk about order? Because we live in a disordered world. And that's become the norm. When our little sons and daughters don't know which bathroom to go into, something's out of order. When they go into their restroom and there's somebody of the opposite sex, In there, that's not orderly. That's disorderly. And all through our culture, brothers and sisters, our world is out of control. When the United Methodist Church says to their clergy, we are to no longer use the term husband or wife because they have become offensive terms. I don't mind telling you that is an apostate church, and you need to stay clear of any place that's worshiping disorder. So we have a subject before us that is more than a cute prophetic phrase for us to consider this year. And I want to say four things to you. The first thing I want to say this morning is God blesses order. He is a God of order, and he blesses it. Order is when things are in the right place, done the right way, with the right motive. And he determines what the right place, the right way, the right motive is. He wants our health to be in order. We want to honor him with what we eat, what we put into our body. And in a culture where around the corner you can buy a quick meal that will kill you, you might want to consider it. Our finances. Some of you are asking God to bless disorder, and he's not going to do it. But if you get them in order, he'll bless it. Our marriages. We're in a crazy culture. The roles of men and women There's competing spirits to take our marriages and make them something other than God can bless. God wants our families to be in order. and God wants our churches in order. And we see it from Genesis to Revelation. Our job is not to get him to bless. Our job is to get in order and then he blesses it. And we'll talk about it in these next few weeks. I just finished reading the Bible and started again. I'm a week in, and finishing the Old Testament. There's something in me every year that I want to go back to those kings and priests in the Old Testament and go, "What were you thinking, man?" A new king comes on. He says, "All right, we're going to fix the worship." and they fix the worship and here comes the blessing. And then they get careless again. Get things in order, God blesses, then they get disordered. Only two kings, Hezekiah and Josiah, ever dealt with the high places. Every time I read throughout the Old Testament, it's like watching an old movie that I want it to change, I wanna go, Tear down the high places, bro! Get rid of the places where God's people are worshiping the idols of the pagans. Brothers and sisters, I'm telling you, if we will get the worship right, God will send the blessing. There's a battle over the worship. God bless His order. And when we do things his way, blessing ensues. 1 Corinthians 14, he talks about in worship, for God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. And you should know, God is particular. He is our creator. He knows best. He wrote the manual for human flourishing. His way is the best way. And God blesses His way. Now when we look at this for this series and the passage of Scripture really for us for the whole year, there's a lot of different places I could go to in the Scripture to find a text to launch off and preach for a couple months on order. But through prayer, the Lord took me to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. Great passage of scripture, great chapter. Verse 14 says, make every effort to live in peace and everyone to be holy. Everybody say the word holy. Holy. Without holiness, he makes this grand statement. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Think about that. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Verse 16, see that no one is sexually immoral. And now he's he's talking about the threat to holiness is going to be carnal, fleshly living. And he says, see that no one is sexually immoral or godless, and we'll come back to this at the end of the sermon, like Esau who for a single meal sold his inheritance rights, birthright, the privilege of being and having what God had given him. He sold it for a bowl of soup. Somebody say birthright. Birthright. We forfeit all oh, that place of living where we see God. Afterward, as you know, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected. And so many people spend their life trying to recapture something that they blew early on. Even though he saw the blessing with tears, he could not change what he had done. You see, there is a version of Christianity that tastes great, but it's less filling. The writer says, be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. There's a large, most Christians that we know live their Christian life with no real sight of the Lord, no God activity in their life. Most Christians force themselves to go through the motions and their faith is, Barely alive because they don't get those moments of encounter that shape them. Have you seen the Lord recently? What do you mean, Pastor Chuck? Like, have you seen his activity? Has he answered a prayer? Has anything happened in your life that you know deep down? That's the activity. That's the hand of God in my life. That's your birthright. That's how the Christian faith is supposed to work. It's alive, it's vibrant. It's an authentic, real, and intimate relationship with a God who loves you passionately. But you only get to enjoy that when you value His holiness And you commit to living a holy life. Now, I know this is quiet in here. You're like, Pastor Chuck, you took two weeks off? And this is what you're bringing to start the year off? A sermon on holiness? You know, when's the last time you've ever heard a sermon on holiness? Does the state of the church indicate holiness hadn't been on the menu in a while? it's a special order it's sad and holiness is it's not just something god does it's the essence of who he is holiness i don't want a version of christianity that tastes great and is less feeling friend of mine's doing some research and he's a little younger than me and he asked from tampa florida He said, we're seeing millions of young adults drop out of the church. And he said, I want to know what the reasons are. And it would be helpful if people half my age would comment. And you begin to read those comments on Tony Bird's Facebook page in Tampa. And it's basically, the church makes no difference. There's no life. There's no power tons of hypocrisy leaders falling everywhere and if the leaders can't do it what makes anyone think they can god help us we've done something wrong we've served up an order that is a man-made flesh-driven enterprise building order and we have forgotten that our god is holy He's in a class all by himself. Are y'all out there? One of the Facebook, Instagram pages I follow, um, Proverbs 31, I think it's called. And one of the posts early this week said, a sun 92 million miles away, can, I know it's 93, but for the point of this, it's a, a sun 92 million miles away that can burn your eyeballs out of your head. And you think you can stroll in casually to worship the God who created that son. We need to get back to understanding God blesses order. And the second thing is that God is holy. Can I get a witness, somebody? And aren't you glad? Don't be afraid. Pastor Chuck, that's scary. You don't want a God that's common. You don't want a God like all the other empty, false religions have. We don't want a man-made God that we carved out of our own hands that we're worshiping. Everybody that I know wants a holy God, a holy, perfect, loving God. And He is that. Isaiah chapter 6 and Revelation 4 both get a glimpse in those passages of what's going on in heaven. And what's going on is angels are... Gathered around the throne, and every glimpse they get, they cry out, Holy, holy, holy. They recover a couple years later and they get one more glimpse. Oh, holy, holy, holy. And that's what's happening in heaven. God is holy, He's perfect, He's all He's self sufficient, He's almighty. Exodus 15 says, Moses says, who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you? Majestic in holiness. Awesome in glorious deeds. Doing wonders, things that make us go. How do he do that? 1 Samuel. No one is holy like the Lord. There is no one beside you. There is no rock like our God. You see... Let's take this stool for a second. And let's just imagine this is the throne of Almighty God and this is God's here. I know it takes a stretch but I mean holy. There's there's no one like you're in a class I don't even have words. You are Perfectly loving. You don't need anything from anyone. You have all you need. You are W-H-O-L-E. Oh, you're not a fraction. There's no one to compare you to. You're omnipotent. It takes a work of God's Spirit. To even a, all po- Who is all powerful? Can do anything at any time. With no limits. Omniscient. You know everything, but you never have an aha. You never go, oh, I haven't thought about that. You know everything about everything. You are all wise. You never have forgotten anything. You never say, oh, me. You're omnipresent. How are you everywhere at the same time? And I'm doing a pathetic job trying to describe His holiness. Poor Pastor Chuck, bless his heart. How do you describe a holy God? And that God that's indescribably, amazingly holy and perfect righteous self sufficient can do anything for anyone in any time knows everything can be anywhere is your father and he says be holy as i am holy wait hold on jesus in matthew 5:48 said be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. We're connecting to birthright. There's relationship involved here. Here's what this means. To be holy means God needs nothing ever, never will, never has. And when we are his sons and daughters, we have access to that. He, Jesus even says you Being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your heavenly father, how much more will he give good gifts to those who ask him? Pastor Chuck, holiness and order, why? Because the whole year, everything flows out of the revelation of how holy and perfect he is. Me seeing him and his holiness does something to my worship. Me understanding how perfect and limitless his power is does something amazing for my daily reading of his word. Me seeing the access of who he is does amazing things to my prayer life and to our ministry, and to our faith. And one of the things it does is it says, we have got to stop settling for human fleshly bowls of soup when our birthright is the eternal, omnipotent, omniscient God who has called us his body who has anointed us for such a time as this, who has purpose, who does not sweat or worry about what is gonna happen in 2024. We have the eternal, almighty, sovereign God of the universe as our Abba Daddy, our Father, and we should rise up and say, I'm not going to live a low-level, little wimpified Christian life where I never see him, and I have to go through the white-knuckling religious motions. No, if he's holy and he's my daddy, I want to taste his holiness. I want to be filled with his spirit so that I can walk in wholeness. Come on, if you're going to praise him now. In James chapter 1, I I don't have time to fully, I don't know if you can fully illustrate this. It calls for an experience with the Holy Spirit. I'm praying for encounters this year. I'm praying that Kairos will be an encounter with God. Because an encounter, when you see that, and you can by His Spirit, It will mark you. It will change you. James in chapter 1, verse 16, he says, Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. And you know, just before this, he says, Don't be double-minded. Double-minded men should not expect to receive anything. The insecurity that comes from that, the, the anxiety, the worry. He says, Don't be deceived. Verse 17, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father. What do, in other words, what is that saying? That's saying that I have everything I need. Every good and perfect gift. There's nothing I need outside of what he will give me. What is that? That's, that's when I begin to live a holy life. I don't need more money. I don't need a cocktail to have a happy hour. I don't need attention from younger women. I don't need human fleshly affirmation. Everything I need is found in him. He's holy and now I'm becoming not a fraction but I'm becoming holy too. Holiness isn't some list of rules. It's a relationship of intimacy with the Father. And once you taste it, you will never want to go back to a list of religious rules. Has anybody tasted it? Oh, come on. If you've tasted it, you ought to just celebrate the freedom that comes in walking with a holy Father. Now, Isaiah chapter 6, I mentioned this earlier. I, I want you to see this. I have such a, a burden for um, I'm gonna bear my heart with you. La- the last seven days of this year, I was I I have never been that sick in my life. I didn't share any of this with the first service. We pretty much didn't have time. But I I am I am so burdened because I feel like we are, we are so close to an outpouring of God's Spirit. And I'm not going to hype it. I'm not going to push any buttons. I'm going to just preach the Word and pray and call the church to prayer. We're going to see an outpouring of the Holy Spirit in these next few weeks as we seek Him. And it's what we need Isaiah chapter 6 it opens up and says in the year that king Uzziah I think king I think Uzziah was king for 52 years in Israel and he was there was stability 5 decades of the same leader and Isaiah says when he died I saw the Lord I want you to see something when a king died I saw the king and he was sitting up on a throne High and lifted up. How many of you know that's the king? And the train of his robe filled the temple. Stop right there. The train filled the temple. You read over that, and we sung that. You know what a wedding train is? Oh, she said yes to the dress. And look at that train. Imagine a train that fills the sanctuary that nobody can attend the wedding. This is what Isaiah sees. The train of his robe fills the temple. What's the temple? The place where worship needs to be happening. And then look what it says. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. Two he covered with his face. And with two he covered his feet. And with two he flew. And one called to the other and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. I want you to see something, brothers and sisters. When we get the worship, why is the train of His robe filling the temple? Because worship is happening around His throne. And when we get the worship right, the glory fills this place. And then what did Isaiah say? The whole earth was filled filled with his glory. I'm about to go into a 1968 version of preaching right here. I just believe that if the church will worship him passionately in spirit and in truth, the church will be filled with his glory so much that the whole earth will be touched By his glory that's filling the house of God. Do you see this vision? And then look and see what happens next. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called. And that's what we need. The voice of God to speak in the culture again. To shake the foundations of disordered culture. The house was filled with smoke and I said... Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I will dwell in the midst of a people, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. If we could understand God's order, worship Him, He fills this place with His glory, When we see him, we see ourselves. And you go, I don't want to see myself. Oh, yes, you do. Because that will be the revelation of your need will be the spiritual hunger that drives you to a holy God. And what will he do? He will take the things from the altar, if you keep reading this, touch your lips, purify you, And then he will make you useful in the earth doing his ministry. And that's what we all need is a bunch of Christians in the ministry. Y'all are out there. You go, Pastor Chuck, I go to church. I'm an accountant, but I go to church. You need to go where you go as a minister, someone who's been touched by a holy God that you bring ministry wherever you go. Are y'all out there? You go, Pastor Chuck, I thought you were talking about order. I am. You've been so out of order. This isn't what you do to be consume religious stuff. This is where you come to get transformed. God wants to do in your life what he did in Moses. Where he says, stop. Take your shoes off. Stop walking in that. You got some crap on the bottom of those. You made those. You bought those. Your shoe games. What you think is part of your identity? Take them off. He wants to do with you what he did with Isaiah. You go, Pastor Young. That's scary. No, it's not. It's awesome. It's heaven on earth. Come to touch you, this is an encounter. How many of you go then, that's what I want. I want a big old encounter with a holy God. Praise your name, Jesus. I'm gonna skip a couple things, go to point number three. God blesses order, God is holy, and God is into to first things. Somebody say first things. Belong to the Lord. you got to get this. The Sabbath, first day of the week, it's His. Early part of the day, when the manna falls, it's His, first part of the day. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, He said, But seek first His kingdom, first things, His righteousness, and all these things will be given unto you. Exodus 13, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Consecrate to me all the what? All the what? Firstborn, both of man and beast, they are mine. It's kind of possessive, God. Proverbs 3 Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing. Jericho, they're just into the promised land, and it's their first battle. And God says, I'm going to give you victory in Jericho, but the loot, the gold and the silver, I want you to bring into my house. It's mine, says the Lord. Wait a second, God. We're just, we just spent 40 years out in the wilderness. We need some resources. We need some cash. We'll get you on the second or the third one. There are 31 battles they'll fight. And God says, the first one belongs to me. He's a God who is in to first things. We're four chapters in the Bible, Genesis 4, and look what it says. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering. Say it, an offering, a casual, he brought an offering. It was an offering. He didn't bring nothing. He brought something. He brought an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but Cain and his offering, he had no regard. And you know the rest of the story. It made Cain mad. He became guilty of murder. We're four, these are God's great, these are God's grandchildren. Come on. And it had to do with him disregarding first things. Jesus was asked. What's the first, the greatest commandment? Matthew 22, he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Brothers and sisters, I declare in this room, I speak over you the ability to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and you watch all things will be added unto you. How many of you will receive that? Come on, right now, in the name of Jesus. Lord, in our minds, some of, us, some of us, listen, we weren't raised in a home. Some of us have never been around an adult who knew how to seek God and put God first. And some of us, it's just learned behavior. And so we've never been able to trust God that if I honor Him with first things, He'll actually bless me. You see, Jericho, Joshua could have said, God, we'll get you on the third or fourth one, but we need some cash. There would have never been a third or fourth one. There would have never been 30 more battles when they honored him with the first things. I just declare, Satan is a liar. I declare war on American, Western, casual consumer Christianity, carnal Christianity that forfeits our birthright and thinks that God can be second or third. I declare in this room a revelation, an encounter even right now, that if you put God first, all these things will be added unto you. Come on, how many of you received that in Jesus' name? In Jesus' name. Now the last thing is this: you've got to understand your flesh will try to rob you of your birthright, the blessing of order. Now, somebody say flesh. I know in 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 this room when we say flesh, somebody some people think it's it's that, and that it is that, but it's more than that. When we when the Bible speaks about your flesh, your carnal side, that's carne, meat, Latin term. The part of you, meaty. It's speaking more to your natural desire apart from God's spirit. In your flesh, there's no good thing, the Bible says. If you let your flesh drive you around, you're going to wind up in hell. Can I get a witness? Pastor Chuck, that sounds really crude. How many know it's the truth? If you let... In fact, you won't even have to get to hell. If you let your flesh drive you around, you'll feel like you're in hell. And everybody that knows you will feel the same way, like, like they're in hell with you. Am I right? We're too friendly with our flesh. The Bible says, kill that stuff, crucify it. So when we talk about your flesh will rob you of your birthright, where are you coming from, Pastor Chuck? I'm coming from our text. Look what it says in Hebrews 12. We read this earlier. See that no one is sexually immoral or godless. And here we go. Like Esau, who for a single meal sold his inheritance rights as the oldest son. Everybody look right here. Um, Isn't it interesting from our text? It says, be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. In just a couple verses... He spends talking about stop living in immorality. Sex outside of God's plan. And don't be like Esau. Tied to without holiness, you will not see the Lord. Don't be like Esau, who sold his birthright. Genesis 25, verses 29 through 34. Everybody look right here. What is that? It's when Abraham, Isaac... And Jacob should have been the God of Abraham, Isaac and Esau, because Esau was the oldest brother. He was a man's man. His dad loved him. He had that special oldest brother birthright. He was in charge. And mama's boy, little Jacob, little mama's boy, stay home cooking, playing video games and gamer. Esau comes in, and he says, I'm famished. No, you're not. You're hungry. No, I'm famished. I want, give me some of that soup. Just like some dumb man with no self-control. He's blowing everything. He's probably tired and hungry. Like my kids, when they were growing up, our kids would say, Dad, I'm starving Like, no, you're not starving. You're hungry. They're like, no, dad, I'm at least very hungry. I'm like, okay, you're very hungry, but you're not starving because 90 minutes ago, you ate half your meal and we threw the other half away. Kids in Africa are, dad, why you always got to start? Because you're not starving. I want you to know, you are not starving. You're not going to starve. That's Chuck and Candace's son or daughter. What can we eat? Yes, we can. And some of you spiritually, the Bible says, He said, I'm famished. And Jacob said, All right, I'll let you have a bowl of soup, but if you'll give me your birthright. This is how distorted he was about letting his flesh drive him around. He said, You know what? I'm about to die, so what good is my birthright anyhow? You can have it, give me the soup. And then he spent the rest of his life wishing he could get it back. And here's what I want to bring this to. When we talk about order, understanding God's holy, that's where order starts. You get in the revelation that he's holy. And all of his wholeness is available to you. If you'll honor first things. But your flesh is going to go, no, don't do that. Take the soup. And we eat the soup, never realizing what he said. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. With holiness, you will live your life seeing the Lord. Brothers and sisters, I know sometimes y'all think my Pastor Chuck, he's, he's passionate because his personality. It's more than that. I have a crazy real faith. And that's why I like I preach crazy levels of calling you higher. Because there is so much more. If we could get you full of God's Spirit. And you learn how to, the fruit of the Spirit's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self control. You're not famished. Don't give the devil your birthright for a little fling on the weekend. Whew. Are y'all out there? The devil hates this kind of preaching. How many of you love it when the devil hates the preaching? I'm calling you into order. You marriages, men, you've got to lead. I can't stand up here and give you some libertarian theology or some feminist theology that says anything other than what this says. If you men will take the lead in your marriage, your children, second marriage, stepchildren, men step up, you get things in order and watch God bless. How many of you know what I'm preaching is the truth? In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Just stand with me all over the room. I sense God calling us to a place of commitment and consecration this morning in the name of Jesus. Pastor Arville, could I ask you to come if the worship team will come? We're going to drive some stakes in the ground this morning. We've got a few minutes. Brothers and sisters, I know I'm getting ready to let you go and your mind can, can wonder if I've ever felt the pastoral burden, the weight of it, I'm not up here preaching sermons just to preach stuff. This time that I've had with the Lord most recently, on one hand, I'm so burdened. We've had people deal with sickness and loss these last couple of weeks. If you're the pastor, even though it's Christmas time, you feel that stuff. On one hand, my my heart is so burdened. And on the other hand, I feel such hope to calling us to a season of revival that we're going to see the hand of the Lord. You're going to see the hand of the Lord in your life. Are y'all out there in the name of Jesus? And this morning, I want to ask you, if you're, you, Pastor Chuck, God is speaking to me specifically about something in my life. God blesses order. God is Holy. He's into first things. I'm not going to let my flesh talk me into selling my birthright. If God's speaking to you about any of those things, I want you to meet me here in this altar. Just come quickly. Just step out right now in the name of Jesus. All over the room, step out in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, praise you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. Come on, step out in Jesus' name. And I want you to just crowd in here and just you tell the Lord. It's you and him. Make it personal. Thank you, Lord. Let life and joy and hope and faith rise up in the name of Jesus. Not selling our birthright. We are not orphans. We are the children of the Most High God in Jesus' name. Come on, more step out in Jesus name come right now and give it to the Lord cast all your care on him he cares for you in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus we praise you Lord we praise you Lord in the name of Jesus addictions that have separated us that have tormented us mentally and emotionally in the name of Jesus I pray father for deliverance but thank you for counseling, for medication that props up and helps us get adjusted. But I pray, Lord, for a breakthrough those crutches, the things that we've leaned on, um, alcohol, um, wrong places on our smartphone, in the name of Jesus. Lord, help us to be holy as you are holy. That we might see you at work in our lives in the name of Jesus. So we praise I throw you. up my hands and praise you again and again. I want to ask you if you would just lift your hands up to the Lord. I want to ask everybody on the main floor up in the balcony if you'll point your hands, just point your hands this way, and we're going to pray collectively over every need. And Father, Holy Spirit, we just welcome you right now to pray. Pray a prayer of breakthrough. We're not looking to just conclude this service or to transition out of this altar time into leaving. I ask, Holy Spirit, prophetically, just pray through us right now, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray over people who live in bitterness. I pray for people who feel like, Lord, they're on the outside looking in, that they're not really your daughter. I come against that mindset. I come against that tormenting spirit, that lying spirit of the enemy, and we tear down that stronghold. And we ask, Father, for a revelation of the love of God. We pray for a revelation of Jesus, the finished work on the cross. We pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, for a revelation of your holiness, your beauty, your splendor, your majesty in the name of Jesus. We tear down those strongholds that limit us, Father, we come against distractions, places in our hearts where we've been hurt or disappointed by someone or something, relationships that have gone sour. We pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, that we would come to a place where we trust you, that if you take something out of our life, it's because it's not good for us, and there's something better coming in the name of Jesus. We we trust you, Lord, that if you take something out of our life, maybe you'll bring it back when you finish the work you're wanting to do in our hearts. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, I pray, Father, for a spirit to rise up in us that says, we trust you. We trust you because you are trustworthy. You love us perfectly unconditionally and you love us eternally in the name of Jesus. I come against, Father God, delayed seasons of joy where there are men and women who have lived in a prolonged season of disappointment. I pray, Father, for a breakthrough, for things to begin to fall in place as they honor you with their first things. I pray in the name of Jesus that hope and faith would rise up in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I feel, I feel the Holy Spirit is wanting to put in every person in this sanctuary today God confidence in the name of Jesus. I pray for biblical Holy Spirit-inspired confidence that's not from human ability or capacity, but it's from a calling. It's from a revelation of your word. Anybody know what it's like to be brought out of insecurity, inferiority, into a place of confidence in the name of Jesus? Come on, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, You are the people of God called out of darkness into his marvelous light that you might declare the praises of the almighty God in the name of Jesus. I just thank you for it, Lord. Father, I pray for people who have have dealt with long-term illness. I pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, your grace is sufficient. I pray in the place of suffering, for grace and strength in the name of Jesus we come against self condemnation we come against self judgment in the name of Jesus and I thank you Lord that you are for us and you are not against us and we look to you as the one who heals from diseases from sicknesses in the strong name of Jesus I pray In the name of Jesus, some of you have cried out for more ability to control your flesh. In the name of Jesus, just lift your hands all over this room. In the name of Jesus, the fruit of the spirit of self-control, let it be manifested and multiplied in this place in the strong name of Jesus. Glory to your name. I want to challenge some of you to really consider joining us in the fast this year. Look at me, if you will, for just a second. Um, I love to eat. You may look at me and go, he doesn't like to eat, he likes to exercise. No, I hate to exercise, but I make myself do it. And it's a lifestyle. And some of you doctors that are here, you know that's what it is. When you fast, if first time I ever fasted 40 days without food. People go, how do you do that? Your spirit keeps telling your flesh, you're not in charge. That's all it is. If you could just learn to do that, that would be a breakthrough to come off your fast and go, I don't have to let my flesh drive me around and be in charge anymore in the name of Jesus. And some of you, the level of spiritual freedom and joy that you would have just being able, the spirit man telling the carnal man, you are not king. Some of y'all have looks on your faces of like, I don't know, my carnal man's king. You need to kill him. Am I right? It's it basic youth group Christianity. Some of y'all are like, but I've never been able to do that. Well, welcome to the party. Your carnal man is dying on January 7th, 2024. (laughs) You are going to be set free from that stuff. And the implications of it, the implications play out. It's more than just being able to say no to food. It's being able to go, devil, I am not going to let that thought lodge in my... Get out of here. That's freedom. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And so, Lord, in this room, in this house, we declare, we come against insecurity, inferiority, self-doubt, self-guilt, self-judgment, and we pray, Holy Spirit, fill us up. That Romans 8, Holy Spirit, that when we don't even know how to pray, Holy Spirit will make groanings and He will cry out for us and remind us who we are, Abba, Father. We are the apple of His eye. He delights in us, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. I just speak it over every person here. Just tell the Lord, just tell Him, I receive it. And say it, speak it out, say, I am free. Declare it, I am free. You know what Hebrews calls you? Saints of God, perfected, positionally in Christ. You are holy, in Jesus' name. Just tell somebody. Turn to somebody right now. Everybody in the room, turn and tell some, Introduce yourself if you're. Tell somebody I'm Saint Chuck. Holy, the beloved. Amen. Hallelujah. Now listen, we start Thursday morning fasting, praying here, and Wednesday night, I want to ask everybody, do whatever you got to do to get your calendar open for you to be here 7 o'clock on Wednesday. How many of you know 2024 is going to be an amazing year, a God-filled year? <laughs> Hallelujah. I declare it. May the Lord bless you and keep you, make His face shine upon you, may He be gracious unto you, lift His countenance up on you, and give you peace. Amen. I receive it. Have a great afternoon, everybody.